1: listeners and welcome aboard costume station zero i'm bob mitch and i'm joined today by nicole carlson who many might have seen at gallifrey one in her amazing femme fifth doctor costume uh welcome nicole
2: thank you glad to
1: be here so i like to start at the beginning uh what got you into costuming
2: well, um, my, uh, my roots um, as, as a costumer stretch back to uh, the Renaissance Fair, the Northern California Renaissance Fair, which I've been attending since high school. And in particular, I started going in college with a dance group called the Merry Pranksters. Um, so, so, uh, so really it comes out of a background of Ren Faire garb, which um, for, uh, for those who um, haven't been to a Ren Fair recently, um, most, most Ren Fair participants make their own garb. Or have it made by by friends, and um, most women's costumes are very similar. You'll have two skirts, an underskirt, an overskirt, uh-huh. a shift, which looks sort of like a full-length 90, and and a corset over that. So um, so, I that's kind of where I got my start uh, uh, Costuming is making that. Um, then when I uh, graduated college and moved to Los Angeles. Um, uh, it was uh, it was about then that the that uh, dr who debuted uh, debuted again the reboot uh yes that 's right yeah and uh yeah uh just sort of one thing led to another really um it it I, I think the real tipping point for me was after my first Gallifrey. you know you see all this amazing costuming, and you're like i i I have so many ideas now
1: <laughs> you want to dive in what what was your first Gallifrey? uh
2: that was uh two uh Gallifrey. Uh, 18th Amendment um, the year they had Colin Baker and uh, um, by Caroline John, sadly, who I did not meet
1: then, and now never will. Ah, okay, 2007. Alright. Yeah, I met Caroline um, briefly in line, and uh, she gave me an autograph and everything, and at the time I didn't have my trusty 500 Diary autograph book going, which is a minor regret, but I was happy to meet her. She was very, very lovely. And, um, you know, yeah, very sadly missed. <laughs> uh but let's see so you you moved from ren fair to doctor who which actually is you know i hear is a pretty common uh, connective tissue i know a lot of people who are ren fair uh, folk who love doctor who and vice versa and a lot of people of course who do doctor who costuming and will wear it to a ren fair and they usually get quite a good reception uh, i've yet to do it myself because a uh, tom baker scarf is quite hot here in los angeles you know come april or may um it, that's a fairly new thing um i I've, I remember seeing in the late '90s a group of
2: um, um, a group of people who attended um, a Black Point Fair uh, um, up in Novato in, in Star Trek uniforms, and they were going around whacking their chest with computer and simulation now. Ah. And and I remember it so clearly because it was so hilariously different from anything I'd ever seen before. I mean, this 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 whole idea of mixing uh, science fiction costuming into ren fair mm-hmm. was just it was it, it was. Um, it was it was it was something that, that 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 was new to me that I loved instantly, um, and that I had never seen before. Um, and and now it's and now it's quite common. You um, go to Renfair, you see plenty of doctors, plenty of Star Trek people. Um, it 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 doesn't quite have the 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 uh, the zing of the first time I saw it, of course.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, no. Um, I, I was going to say that uh, I wondered how well those Star Trek guys went over because on a certain level, it's got to be. A lot of fun. On another level, I wonder if there's any purists going. Ah, they're ruining the the authentic or unfair experience.
2: There's 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 always those. Uh-huh. Uh, most 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 fair folk are are really good sports. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. of course, there's a few who who who, who think that uh, who who think that that uh, um anyone who hasn't hand-woven their own shit. Well, you know, any any culture's got its sticks in the mud.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. No. Always. So you said that you uh, you made your costumes like do you do you often make your costumes versus commission or purchase them
2: um y- usually yeah um, i i I prefer to reuse when I can. Um, another thing I did in high school was um there there's in northern California where i'm from there's there's a lot of overlap um, between the world of the Renaissance fair and and another fair that's put on in the fall called Dickens Fair mm-hmm um, um, in fact, they're run by the same family, the Patterson family, or or used to be, and so there's a lot of crossover there. And so another costume I did in, in high school was, uh, <laughs> I believe I wore my high school choir robe, which was this black robe thing, um, wore a fanny pack stuffed with socks as a sort of emergency bustle, and and uh, and uh, called it a day. Um, so yeah, uh, I've 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 always been more of a more of a clever reuse rather than make. Um, make from scratch kind of person my uh, my Renfair garb um I actually helped my sister put together she's uh she uh, she knows a lot uh, more about sewing than, than I do, and I only really started sewing in the in the past couple of years
1: um so it, it was your sister the one that kind of taught you what you know or is that like your mom or who
2: um yeah they um they, uh, they've been a help um they um uh, my sister's more into uh quilting than 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 sewing clothes really but um i I, I should mention that um, uh, before her children were uh, were born she was uh um, um, a very active in the world of civil war reenactment up in uh, up in northern california her her husband my brother-in-law still still participates but my sister with the kids now doesn't have time to to you know sew period accurate dresses anymore <laughs> <laughs> and and so has turned to quilting more and more
1: sure sure uh-huh. So um so basically you were, you know, uh taught by your sister and, and sort of self taught. You you didn't take any formal classes.
2: No, 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 I did not.
1: hmm Now, uh when you move into Doctor Who, um, again, same thing, you were making most of your costumes, you weren't outsourcing for anything.
2: Right. Uh right. I um uh, so I s um so I started um, you know, with with something close enough. I I think I was oh uh, I was I was trying for a sort of um, Captain Jack kind of look one year. Uh, this was a costume that I never actually successfully finished because I I went to the west uh, to the Western um, uh, costume companies um, sort of a garage sale flea market thing they do. <laughs> yeah,
1: the now. annual one day sale. Oh yes.
2: Yeah. And 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 so I spied this wonderful great coat, and, and I was like, oh, I'm going to buy that and sort of put together a Captain Jack thing. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately the, the overcoat turned out to be the easiest part of it and I could never get, um, a reasonable facsimile of the rest of it. So it's still hanging in my closet waiting for me to decide what to do with it. (laughs) As always. Yeah. Uh
1: Uh-huh.
2: And, um, and then my, my, uh, my first costume really was an earlier iteration of the, of the fifth doctor costume. Um, I, I, um. I hadn't really heard of femme cosplay back then so it was just a so it was just a fifth doctor costume I was putting together with some with some tan slacks that I have from from work and um, someone online had I had spotted a I had spotted an off the rack um, coat that was that was a really a surprisingly good match for Peter Davison's coat That's right the, uh,
1: the silhouette's coat
2: That's right yeah mm-hmm. and uh, and so I and so I actually Sewed the the uh, the piping on by hand. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone is is uh, uh, very surprised by this, but I, I think that handwork is, is is some of the easiest stuff in the world. I just do it in front of the TV.
1: Nice, therapeutic, right?
2: Right, right. It, it's um uh, everyone's amazed by this. Like, well, you sewed it on by hand. <laughs> but uh, really, it's it's you. Uh, you can put it down when you're done. I I I I really just you know put something on the TV and uh you know just bit by bit night by night, uh, night, by night and uh you know it's finished in, in in a month or so
1: so uh what attracted you to the fifth doctor versus the other doctors or characters in doctor who
2: I I really like the fifth doctor's kind of um kind of approach he's 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 he's, he's not a blustery doctor if you will he's he he's kind of uh Calm, mellow. Yeah, the uh, the Doctor as as sort of reluctant adventurer. Mm hmm. Um. One one of my you know favorite Fifth Doctor moments is um, I'm actually in Castrovalva where he's where he's figured out that something's wrong, and um um and he and he basically buttonholes one of the village uh, uh, characters and and hauls them to this blackboard and says, here I I don't understand. How this village is set up, you show me, and this just sort of Socratic kind of elicitation from from um, from the others. So so uh, so the village, um, uh, the village character then uh, sketches out uh, the village as he understands it, and quickly realizes that it's spatially inconsistent. Mm-hmm. And and the doctor doesn't you know go and say you see, but but he says see I I thought there was something wrong so. So it's just sort of this um, this 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 different side to the doctor, a more collaborative side, if you will, mm. a less a less um, um, a less uh, imposing his genius and more giving people around him the tools.
1: Sure, sure. He, I would definitely say that about Peter Davison's doctor. He was a little bit more um, uh, unassuming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I'm assuming <laughs> that. Your attraction was beyond the character that you actually liked. His take on the costume.
2: Um, I I did kind of. I I um I I, I didn't particularly like the uh, the uh, the loudness of some of the Doctors uh, Six and Seven. Um, eight was kind of way too advanced for me. Mm-hmm. Nine Nine I think is kind of a genius idea for a costume, but a costumer's but but a cosplayer's bane because it's so hard to get a costume that reads Ninth Doctor. Um, you, you just look like you're in street clothes. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's no matter how much you nail the details, half of it's the casting, and you really should have a companion with you. And I know what you mean. Yeah,
2: yeah. And 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 so it it just seemed like it had the right combination of doability and distinctiveness, if you will.
1: I gotcha. So your first attempt at Davison was more of a straight, um, you know, uh, crossplay, so to speak. You you weren't Correct. trying to feminize it, mm-hmm. right? And, um, how did, and how did you approach that beyond the coat?
2: Um, so, so the, um, the, I, I, I went to the thrift store and got a collared white shirt and, um, uh, free handed the question marks on the, on the, on the collar, just, just with a pencil or something. And then, and then embroidered it, um, just in front of the TV at night. Um,
1: that's a therapy.
2: Yeah, Exactly. And, um, and, and I ordered the, uh, the sweater in one of the group runs.
0: Oh, right.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then the slacks were just some tan pants.
1: And the all-important hat and shoes.
2: Um, the, um, the, uh, the shoes, I just got some Converse's off the internet. Mm-hmm. And the hat, I literally went to thrift stores and found a straw hat. One thing I learned early on in Ren Faire is that if you get a real straw hat, you can always wet it, reshape it to your head, let it dry, it'll fit.
1: So. <laughs> Assuming it's not too small to begin with, I know you're right. Yeah, Correct, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so,
2: yeah, straws forgiving like that. I, I didn't have the budget for an actual Panama hat at the time.
1: Ah, now it sounds like this was a pretty uh, approachable costume on the wallet, am I right?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, it really was. The, um, the, um, I I got the coat before it went on sale, so that was the biggest expense of it. Uh, that was around sixty, eighty dollars, but um, which is you know not unreasonable for a quality piece of, of outerwear, and considering
1: um, some people yeah. pay for it custom, absolutely,
2: exactly, yeah, especially when it was such a good match. Mm-hmm. And um, my my uh, my uh, my method for, for for fair garb is the same as my method for costuming, uh, which is that I just sort of upgrade it incrementally. Every sure. year, I'll, I'll I'll pick something to upgrade. So you know, this year coat. Next year, I'll get you know a better shirt, and so on.
1: It never really ends, does it? The upgrading.
2: It never does, no. Because um, you uh, you you uh, you get everything the way you thought you wanted it. It's you know five or six years later, and you've kind of changed your mind about things. That's but, true. You know, but you know that's fine too.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and I always say people have to start somewhere. You sh- You shouldn't be held back because you can't get the perfect item or the perfect combination of items and think I'll never be seen in anything less than perfect. Well, you want to know what? I think it's impossible. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Big trap. Yeah.
2: You'll never get started if you try that.
1: Um, so on that same point, what, what's your view on screen accuracy? Do you, are you, are you all for it? Or do you feel that, Hey, you know what? Don't be too fussed. Let's just go for the read, go for the character.
2: I'm a proud member of the good enough school of costuming. Uh Uh, I mean if if we all had infinite funds um we uh, we would all commission Steve Ricks to to uh, to design us custom um um uh, custom costumes that fit us perfectly and were gorgeous and use the absolutely correct materials sourced directly from 1981 or or whatever mm-hmm. but the fact of the matter is that we don't have infinite budgets and Steve Ricks is a busy man, and if we all had infinite money, he would be very, very busy. Uh, anyway, and uh, infinite
1: time—that's another key yes, factor. Yes, yeah.
2: yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that the best cost um, a costume is the one that looks as good as, or is the one that looks as good as you can get it given the budget you have, because let's face it, budget is an important consideration. And so, uh, a screen accuracy is wonderful if um, if you can get it, but. Um, it's it's not it's not the be all and end all either.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think with five, the nice thing is that uh, I think with maybe the exception of that frock coat, it's a fairly approachable one to put together. Um, you know, as you say, with uh, hand embroidering question marks, and it's not that hard to find a, a used cricket sweater online. I know that was my first option when I did uh, the Mark One, as I call it. Uh, right. Back in two thousand and seven, it was just a used cricket sweater from uh, God knows. I, I I always thought it's an 80s cricket sweater. It could have been a 90s, who knows? But it had the right kind of coloring and the stripes and, um, right. you know. So. Um,
2: as so many of the doctors, you need a distinctive piece like uh, seven's question mark sweater, uh, is is very important to mm-hmm. to to getting that look. Uh, four's scarf, of course. Right. Um. But five. Uh. The there there. Uh, there's no. There's no iconic item that you can't fake, if you will.
1: For the most part, yeah. I just think that coat gets a little tricky for some people, unless you're up to the task of completely uh, sewing it from scratch, which some people are and some people aren't. Um, but it definitely helps when you uh, come across a nice fine, like uh, that Silhouettes coat when it came up. Because, boy, oh, boy, they're really... I mean, there are some there are some online tailors you can get this from in varying degrees of you know quality. But finding a really good one that's off the shelf that you can just add some piping and boom, you're done. I mean, that I don't think I've seen another one like that aside from the lab court uh, the lab cut version that um, I put together that I would read on yeah, a tutorial yeah. somewhere.
2: And that one required a lot more work too because you had to dye it as well.
1: Yes, yeah, so you had to dye it and still fudge some things, remove a pocket, all that fun stuff. Yeah, exactly.
2: Actually, as I think about it, I lie. My my uh, my first Doctor Who costume was not the Fifth Doctor. Um, I um in two thousand and eight, my my uh, my first costume was actually one of the Clockwork Droids.
1: Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> well, I, I'm sure I saw you, but if you're wearing a mask, you know it's hard for me to sell who's underneath it. Um, I, I know I know I had approached doing this for a while, but and I wanted to get one of those really nice masks that uh, MFX was offering for a while. Oh then, those are beautiful, I know I know, and sadly they don't make them anymore um and i I'm like, oh I should have should have took the plunge just just to have it just in case because the rest is still always sort of approachable uh, but what yeah, how did you how did you tackle that
2: so so that grew out of the same um western costume uh yard sale thing um um among the other things I spotted that day it was it was a wonderful if somewhat expensive day um, <laughs> was I was a pair of really ratty um but um, you know, still basically together 18th century frock coats.
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
2: And and so I immediately thought of my friend Berkeley, who goes to Gallifrey One with me, um, and, and I thought to myself, self, we can put together some clockwork droid costumes. Because um, a clockwork droid may sound uh, ferociously complicated, but the frock coat is by far the hardest part. Oh, yes. The rest of it, you need a fairly ruffly blouse, which... You can find. You need a waistcoat, which you can find. You need knee breeches, uh, which you can sort of fake with with uh, by uh, by cutting off a cheap pair of pants at the knee and adding a drawstring.
0: Right.
2: Some tights and my fair shoes.
1: Yeah, the shoes for that era are a little tricky. Uh, what I almost think of as like the pilgrimy kind of shoes. Like. Yeah.
2: Um, a lot of people at um, I would do Renfair um, get 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 uh, fair shoes that. Um, if you look at them closely, they're obviously not correct for the period, but if you don't look at them closely and really who goes around staring at shoes.
1: Yeah. I've said that a lot. Yeah. Who really, st- unless you've got them way wrong, no one's really staring at the shoes.
2: Exactly. Exactly. So, so, uh, so yeah, so I, um, I, I had to do a number on the coats. I had to rip off the trim and sew on new trim, which is, uh, a, a, a skill, uh, um, as I think I've mentioned, that's in my costuming wheelhouse. Uh-huh. Um, uh had to uh seriously patch some um some some uh, some spots, so I just darned them. Went to the store, found a very similar color of thread, and uh just the same thing, got night in front of the TV. And then the masks, um th- uh, those were just um some ordinary Michaels masks from the from the uh craft section
0: mm-hmm.
2: and some paper clay. I just kind of loaded up a couple of screenshots. Uh um that, uh, there were a couple I used that uh, that really did a good job of showing the angles mm-hmm. and just 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 kind of did this just kind mm-hmm. of mounted it on and pushed it around until it looked about right <laughs> uh, pa- uh, painted it with just ordinary acrylic paint again from the craft store uh crackle finish and some strong tea to weather it. That's another Renfair trick and uh it it i'm I mean it was certainly not the you know the six thousand dollar porcelain one but um (laughs) it was it was i believe under ten dollars and it looked dandy i thought
1: there you go can't go wrong for 10 bucks um yeah i i i remember um the only version of this i ever tossed together um wow you're jogging a a dim memory for me i thought i hadn't done it i did technically do it in 2007 uh i borrowed my friend's costume which was a, a ben franklin costume and it was period and everything, really well made. I think it was from a TV show uh, called Jack of All Trades. <laughs> and um, so we basically had the 17th century stuff. I just borrowed an old pair of moccasins for the shoes. Again, not really correct, but if you don't look too hard, it just blends in. And um, for the mask, we grabbed something from a Halloween store, painted on it a little bit to give it the two-tone quality, but it was already a, a Mardi Gras kind of a mask. And uh, an old... um Judge's wig with the curls.
2: Yes, yes.
1: Yeah, and
2: I ordered, uh, um, I ordered um, a couple off of eBay actually. Mm-hmm. uh one called the King Charles wig uh, mm-hmm. for my friend Berkeley, which um, which really kind of looked ridiculous when uh, when we got it, and um, and then uh, and then what what was called as I recall a storybook wig for me. Um, all, all that I was interested in was that it had those those uh, wonderful sausage curls that you see in those 18th century yes. wigs.
1: Yes. So. No. Yeah. And and we scored ours from uh, the Hollywood Toy and Costume Company. Um, I don't know for 20 or 30 bucks or something like that. At the end of the day, it was like a lot of borrowed stuff and and some tossed together stuff. And I remember loaning it to somebody to wear. Uh, who we had befriended at the con. This is at San Diego Comic-Con. And it went over great. I'm sure I can dig up a photo somewhere. Unfortunately, I remember the two problems were, one, uh, we added uh, gels, you know, um, dark blue gels to the eyes so that you couldn't see his eyes. Well, it looked great, but they fogged up almost right away. So, oh, Yeah. yeah. So within about, I think, 30 minutes, he had popped them out, and then you could see his eyes, but I understood he wanted to see, which was a a luxury I didn't have when I was a Cyberman a year later, but I'll I'll save that for another day. Um, Yeah. I cut out
2: some squares of black pantyhose and uh, and glued them to the inside of the eye holes.
1: That is the solution. You need need a mesh or a pantyhose. That's exactly right, because then it breathes, and then you don't have that problem. You do cut your visibility a bit, but you'll be able to see just fine. I think you'll see just fine. The only problem is that we lost track of that guy, so he made off with my mask and wig, and I never saw it again. Oh, dear. Yes. Um, And actually, and to be clear, he did not make off with the costume, though. He actually already had a Ren Faire, um costume that looked right. So it was his costume, but my mask and wig. So we managed to save the costume, thank God. That was my friend's, and I would never have forgiven myself if that thing went missing. And uh, anyway, so it was it was a fun time, and uh, I, I keep meaning to go back and, and do a proper one. But um, it sounds like you just got lucky with, with Western costume and were able to kind of build it up from there. And as you say, you can kind of fake the rest once you have the coat.
2: I did get lucky, but then again, I think that it was also a case of building Based on what I found, I mean, um, you're not going to have, um, unless you're extraordinarily lucky, you're not going to have a complete costume fall into your lap in its final form. Uh, no. What What you can hope for, and what hap- um, and what I found at that at that costume uh, yard sale, was sort of the foundational pieces. Sure. And 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 you have to um, and and you have to be willing to think in that kind of way, to think in that way of, yeah, I can. That um, that that jacket looks atrocious, but if I ripped off the trim and put on new trim, it would look just fine. and it would and, and and I know how to do or fake everything else for a clockwork droid costume. So it's it's learning how to look at a piece and think that might work for a and so on. Um, another example, um, I have this sort of roughly brown top that that I saw that and I thought, I want to build a Dalek dress around that because it's got the right kind of, um, uh, it's got the right kind of sort of horizontal striations. Uh-huh. And, and, and it's, it's just sort of kind of a, a, a skill, I think, is learning to look at something and, and think that might work for, and then uh, being willing to pursue that idea the rest of the way. Mm-hmm. If I did that, what else would I need?
1: Right, because it should always be about, um, well, as a great way of saving money and thinking outside the box, always think about repurposing, always think about modifying. So when you're at anywhere from the thrift store to a garage sale to uh, a costume sale to, heck, your local department store, you know, always kind of keep half an eye. I, I know I do, exactly. and I don't even mean to be. It's just kind of like... Oh, but that could kind of be this. And I'm always good enough now to know I'm not just going to waste money on this thing that isn't quite right. Like, if I'm really convinced, hey, this is the piece, or this will be a great piece, I'll get it. But most of the time, I'm like, that would kind of work, but, you know, what I have right now is good enough. Or, oh, that takes too much work to get it to where I'll need it to be. So you have to also know when to say no Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes,
2: yes, yes. That's an, yes, that's a, that I think is an equally important skill because that too has happened to me a lot of times. I've been at the fabric store and I've thought, ooh, that would make a wonderful, you know, Time Lord robe or something. But, mm. and then I think to myself, well, is that really a costume I want to do at this time? Yeah. Um, uh, and, and sort of kind of um, make a roadmap from what, what, what this, the uh, the sort of the idea that this object has sparked in you. Um, What, what else would it take? Could you do it? Do you want to do it? And so forth. And just don't be afraid to follow that through to the end, uh, but be ruthless about what it would take
0: too.
1: (laughs) Very true. I know that um, uh, Scott has a very good saying about task at hand. And that is, you know, if you're out looking for one costume, try to stay focused on it. It's not to say that, Hey, if you find the miracle fabric or item that you need for something else, that fabric, whatnot, um, then don't be afraid to get that. But on the other hand, uh, you know, don't let it distract you from your, your main pursuit of what you're working on at the time, because as we all know, deadlines always loom quickly.
2: Yes. Yes. And it wouldn't, and, and it would certainly not be a convention without people, um, doing, doing, uh, doing their final sewing at the con. Uh, <sighs> And whatnot, but um, yeah, it's much easier um, to the maximum extent possible because I I have yet to meet a costumer who is not um, while well working on one project has an eye on another shinier project just on the horizon.
1: Uh-huh.
2: Uh, but to the maximum extent possible, try to focus and plan for the future, but don't get carried away. <laughs>
1: right yeah i mean earmark things but yes it's there are some times where you just got to say okay this is exactly what i'm doing and what i'm getting and here's my budget and oh yeah my my favorite thing though is you get something and you find out it was just the wrong shade of color from what you saw online or it was just the one size too small and you've just spent that money and now you've yeah. got to salvage that you know somehow oh
2: that that, that does happen yeah hmm
1: no fun. No fun at all. Uh, you know, I was just uh, in Hawaii and, you know, no rest for the wicked. I'm on vacation and yet I pass a fabric store and I'm like, ooh, fabric store. And I still had to go in. I still had to look. And while I didn't find any amazing finds because I thought, hey, it's Hawaii. They could have something, you know, that you never see on the mainland. Uh, I did come across some fabric that was a brocade um, that, you know, I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll find a hidden stash of Paul again, waistcoat fabric or something. Uh, I did find some, yeah, sadly not to be, but I did find um, some stuff I thought, oh, this could make like a pretty good lining for his coat. It was it it was a reasonable choice for his lining because I've seen it up close now. And I thought, yeah, I mean, it's not perfect. And I had to think to my own lining and I went, yeah, but is this worth me getting four yards of this, flying back with it, and then having my coat relined? And I just went. Mm, it's it's e- it's nice, but it's as equally representative, but off as the stuff I currently have. So what's the point? And I had to make that call to say no again. You know.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I once um um I have I have in in preparation for a costume a, um a lovely sort of burgundy brocade mm-hmm. and um I I I. I got it, and then some and then some weeks later I was in joanne's as as you do and um and uh spied uh some uh some some different burgundy fabric that i that I thought oh, it's perfect, it'll be a perfect match, right uh yeah, it wasn't a perfect match it's it's a lot harder to match reds than blues um and uh yeah they're they're just a little bit off so now i've so now I've got this extra fabric lying around, and I'm wondering if it's worth the trouble to tie it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yikes, but that yep that that's what you run into and I, and I find that that's why if you're trying to match, you know, bring your swatches and yes, um, yeah, and as Scott always says, if you can try to always have your reference material on hand because what is it? I can't tell you how many times I've seen Paisley's and think, oh, that might make a good McCoy scarf because I'm always looking for a slight upgrade on the McCoy scarf and you know, yeah, for a basic read i've I've seen half a dozen now, you know since I've done my scarf, that would be pretty good. And then, but I don't have my reference material. And so I can't say for 100% certain. I can just say to a general read, that's good. But if I were to hold it up to a photo, I'm sure I'll be like, ah, too too red, too maroon, too green, it's got too much blue, something. It'll be off somewhere. And I'll be like, no. So um, yeah, but, it's never uh, that's ending. That's another
2: thing the technology has made easier for us. It's much easier to keep some pictures on your phone.
1: Agreed. Your phone or an iPad or, you know, um, what is it? Scott used to have uh, booklets that he'd make and binders. With uh, either eight by tens or stuff he'd print out. I'm I'm the king of printing out photos. I like having hard copy, but you know I agree. Today it's so much easier to have it on a phone. Um, but anyway, so let's see. Uh, oh, did you for your clockwork? Um, did you do the um, what is it that weird pole uh, knife thing that they have? I forget what they're called.
2: I did not. No. I, I uh, um, if if I bring that costume back out, and I just might. Um, that uh, that might be a good project for it, but uh, no. Um. If 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 you go on the internet's um, the uh, the tubes of you and and you pull up the and you pull up the um, uh, a Renette and Ten sketch from Galley two thousand and eight, uh, you can see me as one of the um, as the boy droid and my friend Berkeley as the King of France, um, and uh, we uh, we did not use any sort of weapons. Uh, if 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 I do that costume again, that might be an interesting challenge because um, mm. I. Not really sure how I'd do it. But, uh, yeah, no,
1: we, we we didn't do the weapons at all. Well, then maybe that's a, a good thing to keep in mind if we do a workshop here at Gallifrey One next year.
2: That's that's kind of something that I haven't really experimented with, is, mm-hmm. is making, uh, for lack of a better word, hard props.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Well, you know, you get into different materials then. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, but I, I always say the fun thing about props is uh, start just like you do with the costumes. Look for stuff you can repurpose, you know? Go to the plumbing section at Lowe's and go to you know junkyard sales, look in your own junk drawer, look at stuff that I don't know. I've got like old um uh you know toys and stuff that I was getting rid of, and I thought, wait a minute, but this weird little structure here could be this, and I could rip this little hatch off and it could be like a lid to this, and you just start thinking like that and it, it's saves you it's
2: very much like a return to childhood when yes. you sort of had to build your own toys out of out of existing toys and and I think that's that's a large part of the fun
1: mm-hmm. absolutely. Absolutely.
2: I mean, I mean um, most, of, most of a Clockwork Droid costume can be repurposed from a Pirate costume. If you, if you have someone who fell into the Pirate fad a few years ago and uh-huh. now is falling out,
1: um,
2: <laughs> then then
1: yeah, repurpose it. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so you started with the Clockwork Droid. In the, in the world of Doctor Who, you started with the Clockwork Droid, you said. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, moved on to the Fifth Doctor. And uh, was that a straight leap to the Femme Fifth Doctor, or did you have any other Doctors in the mix there?
2: Uh no. Uh, no other. Do- um. That uh, I. I did get a really inexpensive uh, tenth Doctor outfit on eBay. Um. One of the. One of the Chinese bespoke uh, uh, tailors, and right. I, I. I will be the very first to admit that it is not the best quality costume. Mm-hmm. But it was. I think one hundred and fifty dollars for the 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 overcoat and the suit.
1: Hard to argue with that.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, um, um, and it reads just fine. Sure. I I will admit that I do not wear it a lot because, in addition to not 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 being tremendously screen accurate,
1: it's kind of itchy. Uh, uh, comfort. There's another thing. Comfort very important.
2: So I have been spotted as a um, as the tenth doctor um, on occasion, but uh, after that I went back to the fifth doctor, and um, I had I had just seen the uh, the fem kind of movement just start at that year's galley, uh-huh. and. I just fell in love and I really wanted to take my fifth doctor costume and kind of turn it femme, if you will. Right. So my first attempt, because I was very much a novice sewer at this point, I, I still kind of am a beginner, but I'm better than I was. Uh, was a very simple skirt pattern that unfortunately turned out to, uh, to be a tactical error. It was, it was, uh, it was not at all flattering on my fuller figure. Ah. It was, um, um, uh, it was really designed for, for, uh, for someone, uh, uh, young and skinny, like maybe squirrely tonks, okay, and uh, uh certainly not for me, which I realized as soon as I saw the pictures, I was like, oh dear, so um so so um, then I kind of went and thought about it some more over that year, and i i i um i'm I'm not sure where I came up with the idea, but once I got it i I really liked it was I kind of wanted to do kind of half Fifth Doctor, half Mary Poppins. Ah, nice. So that was so uh, that was kind of my guiding image for the next iteration, which was the one that I wore last year. Um, uh, so that one had a much fuller, longer skirt. Um, um, uh, that was an Edwardian walking skirt pattern I found online,
0: uh-huh.
2: and um, and a radically different jacket design. Then that that was that was uh, certainly not. Um, a baggy overcoat, it was a very fitted, tailored thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And and that was a, a lot of fun, a big adventure to make.
1: It has a, a matronly kind of feel to it, actually, which I think kind of keeps in a strange way with the Fifth Doctor and how he kind of comes to that cricket, you know, um, uh, early 20th century kind of vibe, you know.
2: Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, it does seem like a lot of the Doctors have, have been based around that period from about uh, 1900 to maybe 1930.
1: Mm-hmm. No, true, yeah, or maybe reaching slightly further back, but yeah, d- definitely hovers in there for a lot of the doctors, I would agree. Um so what what possessed you to do the uh, the corset, the question mark corset?
2: Oh, that that actually came out of um of a realization that I'd had over over the previous years of cosplaying the fifth doctor, which is that California is really not like England in terms of climate. No. And it was boiling hot. <laughs> wear that sweater on yeah. top of the um on top of the shirt. Yeah. Um. Now at Ren Fair we uh, we have the same problem uh, because what's what's comfortable in an English summer is not comfortable in a California summer,
0: uh-huh.
2: um, and we solve it by periodically um, uh, dumping um, um uh, tankards of water over our heads, but that's obviously not not practical at a <laughs> science fiction convention. No. <laughs> um. So so uh, I. I, when I got to the point where I was r- really ready to go out in the shirt without the sweater, rather than wear the sweater again, um, I I went back to the source material, and um, you 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 do see the doctor out of out of the sweater in Planet of Fire, where you also see that he's got these lovely question mark uh, suspenders. Yes. <laughs> so I thought, well, what's the female equivalent of suspenders? It's a corset.
1: And there you have it. it,
2: it exactly. Mm-hmm. So the two ideas collided. Um, hand embroidery is, um, um, again, it's, it's, it's a skill that people just think is nothing short of miraculous, but it is the easiest thing in the world. Um, they, uh, they have tutorials on, um, uh, they have tutorials on it on YouTube. Uh, it, it really is much, much, much easier than it looks. And it came out, um, uh, quite well, I thought.
1: Yeah, no, it looks great. It's a, it's a marvelous interpretation. Um, it, it seems like it's not like you, Um, pre-planned this look so much as you were kind of piecing it out and figuring out what worked for you and what was practical
2: exactly exactly Mm um ditching the sweater was 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 that was a big part of it
1: Mm -hmm. that's actually an interesting thought i i I almost want to pose this to, to people from now on is think that you know a lot of the costuming choices for doctor who was because of the fact that you're dealing with english climate and what if Doctor Who had been made here? Let's move aside all sense of where the stories would have gone, but how would the Doctor have been costumed had he been had it been a strictly California-based television series? I think that's a it's a very interesting "what if" question for people out there. We'll have to maybe have a competition or something. That'd be fun. I, uh, I'm picturing
2: in the eighth. I'm picturing the eighth Doctor in a Hawaiian shirt and sunglasses for no reason I can think
1: of. <laughs> Hawaiian shirt. Well, we came close to that with the sixth maybe Doctor, a and, uh, yeah. right? A yeah. surfboard, yeah. yeah. Uh but that the, that vest he wore in the two doctors was sort That's of That's true. The, yeah, yeah. 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 Um but uh so has uh what else is on your plate right now? What else are you looking to do? Or feminize or whatever?
2: Um I I'm um, I'm I'm for uh, for next galley I'm I'm planning on one of the end of time time lords.
0: Uh-huh.
2: uh because I found a fabric I really like for that and um it'll be an um and it'll be a fun challenge I think to make the time lord headgear.
1: Oh, going all out. Nice. Okay.
2: Yeah. And uh um so uh, so that's kind of my major project. Um and another one I've got um on the um on the planning board is uh, is the Inquisitor from 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 Trial of Time Lord.
1: Right. Played by Linda Bellingham, I believe. Bellingham, yeah.
2: right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be, uh, because I I just um the um the uh, the robe looks kind of fussy but manageable. Mhm. Uh, I, I I just I just really kind of like the idea of swanning around Gallifrey One, sneering at everything.
1: Especially a Sixth Doctor.
2: <laughs> Especially Sixth Doctors, yeah. And and you know, swanning around Gallifrey One in that ridiculous headdress that uh, that the Inquisitor had mm-hmm. is wrong. Then I don't want to be right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> ah, good motto for any cosplayer, right? Um, yes <laughs> that'll be the new t-shirt i sort of got every uh every podcast i'm putting some new t-shirt slogan to be uh, made up here but um all right so let's see uh what would you consider uh your most challenging costume of the ones you've actually done
2: they've all posed different challenges um hmm um
1: were you, were you actually sewing any of them at the con were you running up the deadline in any of those no no thank goodness
2: it it, um, it uh, has never come to that yet mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I I have knock on wood. I have yet to really have any first class disasters on my hands. All right, fair uh, enough. So uh, so far, all of the really challenging pieces, like 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 the FEM five jacket, that was by far the most difficult sewing project I'd taken on up to that. Um, but uh, but even that came out okay. Um, although I wish I had learned of spray basting a lot earlier in the process.
1: <laughs> uh, yes, I, I'm sure that was a great help later on. Um, do you have a favorite uh, costuming event?
2: I I really like Galley One. It's mm. it's just an amazing con. It's 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 got it's got such terrific people doing such terrific creative costumes. Um, San Diego Comic Con. I um I missed this the, uh, this year twenty twelve, but uh, before then I'd, I'd gone for four or five years in a stretch. And um, you uh, you uh, you do see some extraordinary costumes at San Diego. I I, I will be the first to admit that. And, Absolutely, and yeah, and it can't be beat for star power.
1: No, <laughs> yeah. Although let's face it, if you're going to get to those panels, that's where you're camping out most of the day.
2: That's gotten increasingly challenging. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Very true. Very true. Well, I I think I'm more or less on, on that same page too. Gallifrey one is, is really just a, a convention and a half. It's a lot of fun. And especially if you're in a doctor who, even if you're not in a doctor who, I think it's a, it's a very good friendly uh, fan vibe, but obviously you don't get as much out of it if you're not into that series. Um, but I, I have some friends who were not really big into who, and they had a blast when they went to Gallifrey. So I like to think that there's a, there's an open door policy there for everybody. Um, and, uh, and it's funny how, uh, I mean, Comic-Con's always had a, a great deal of cosplay, but Gallifrey One, in the last, like, five years, has really exploded with costumes.
2: I know, it's remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, didn't they have to cancel the masquerade one year for lack of interest?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, there was no masquerade in um, 2007. And there might not have been in oh six. I, I don't remember one in oh six. but then again, that was back in the days when I wouldn't do, like, all three days of the convention, so... I'm not a good source on that one, but yeah, there were there were cosplay and and, and masquerades before that, but it would just it had never reached this this general populace um, or a bubbling point. But then again, look at the attendance at Gallifrey One. I mean, it's it used that to that's also true, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Used to hover at 700 people. Now it's at 3,200. It's crazy. Now would you say that you know? I was just thinking about how conventions. A lot of people talk about. You go to a convention. It's you're there to whatever, see a panel, meet a star, buy some cool swag or I shouldn't say buy swag, get swag or buy a cool merchandise item. I've often felt that conventions are a good place for cosplayers to, um, essentially network. You know, if you think about it, this is where you meet other people of like-minded interests who are into the same kind of hobby and same show. You'll start talking and inevitably that's where you might come up with a group or you might find someone who, hey, uh, they know this great source to get this. Oh, I'm really good at, uh, you know, latex or I'm really good at props and you start kind of, Conferring yes, exactly. your knowledge,
2: mm-hmm. or or so and so here uh, seems to know how to do resin casting or, or mm. whatever. Very true. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's just wonderful, I think, to just uh, to, to, uh, to spark off ideas.
1: Mm. Yep, I, and every once in a while you run into someone who's like, "Okay, I think this is the perfect costume for you," and you may not have thought of it, and you'll be like, "Hey, yeah, all right, I'll think of that." And you know, it may not happen tomorrow, but maybe in like a year. Next thing you know, you're you're pumping yeah. it out. Um, but yeah, and I just I, love
2: to see everyone's take on 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 the same characters. But just um, that uh, that I think is 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 part of what fascinates me so much about uh, femme cosplay is that is that it's it, it it just sort of magnifies the opportunities available. Just um just because you're 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 starting with a character and then how how far can you Change it if you will, so that it's still recognizable while being something else that's awesome
1: right, right you're well, I mean that is the fascinating thing about it, and I actually i am generally more impressed with the femme cosplay I mean I know there's cosplay I'm sorry cosplay than crossplay than the fem uh, versions of these costumes, which is you know a girl trying to do a straight version of a male character versus I'm going to now change this to suit a, you know, a feminine a physique. And I think that's really interesting the way the different interpretations, because you're right. I've seen a handful of different versions of the sixth doctor or the 10th doctor, um, and the fifth doctor. Yeah. And they're all, you know, you can totally recognize that this, what doctor they are, but totally interesting, uh, divergent interpretations.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That, um, that, that is one of the really amazing things to me, uh, um, is that you can have, um, uh, Last year, uh, there, was, uh, there was a 10th Doctor who had sort of a, a turn-of-the-century bicycle costume. Uh-huh. These enormous puffy sleeves. Yes, I
0: remember. Uh-huh. And,
2: you know, still recognizable as the 10th Doctor, but light years away from, say, Joanna Mead's kind of a beautiful pinstripe dress with corset and, and little tiny bolero jacket. Just, you, you know, recognizably the 10th Doctor, but mm-hmm. just miles apart.
1: Completely, yeah. Or, or uh, what is it? Uh, Fierce Turtle, Sixth Doctor, which oh, was more yeah. subdued than the—I forget her name—but the woman in the, uh, you know, that turn of the century with the parasol and the the beautiful oh. dress. Yeah.
2: Oh, um, uh, was that the sort of um, 18th century yes. French noblewoman. Yes. It's a sixth Doctor. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was that was incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but uh, uh, yeah, then Fierce Turtle turns around with that sort of um, 80s power. Yeah. Uh, uh, Um, uh, that sort of 80s power suit thing and Mm -hmm. it looks wonderful and it's the same character, but different.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, As a matter of fact, I thought I would never see a femme one, but you know, Valerie uh, put me to shame on that one and she did a fantastic job with that. Um, But now where, where do you think that, I mean, Joanna and I have talked about this at times uh, where the phenomenon of, I mean, crossplay in general seems to have come just like the term cosplay out of anime, Because it doesn't seem like it was a big thing prior to five years ago. I didn't see it happen as much. And then slowly from about 2007-ish on, it seems to have been slowly growing. Where now it's very commonplace for me to see, certainly in Doctor Who, but even in other fandoms. I mean, do you think that's just uh, a product of more women in fandom or... or I think
2: it's a combination of a lot of things, and I think that um, one factor that a lot of people seem to overlook is um, the rise of the DIY movement over the past half decade or so.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, it's it's gotten a lot of people back into um, old older crafts. Uh, so so like knitting, ten fifteen years ago, it seems like nobody knitted. Today it seems like everybody does. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, you've got a knock-on effect there. You've got people who are more used to doing stuff by hand, um, and and um, really, I I I think it's a one idea sort of sparking off another, in someone else, and then you just have to do that. And um, the really interestingly, um, Femming costume seems to be spreading outside of who. I I, I mean, I don't pay attention to cosplay uh, much in the. It, in the real world, but I have seen pictures of, of let's say, Lady Vader, Darth Vader. Right. Uh, there, uh, there was a lovely one on the internet a while ago. Um, Femme Optimus Prime.
1: <laughs> right, right.
2: So, uh, so I, I do think that it's a consequence of women feeling more comfortable, um, more accepted in traditionally male-dominated subculture of fandom. Uh, we, I've got a ways to go, but it's more comfortable than it was.
1: Sure. No, I, I can see that. Um, I know that, uh, what was I thinking? Um, there were the Avengers bunnies at Comic-Con.
2: Oh, the, um, the, uh, the ones in the evening wear?
1: Yeah, yeah. They were kind of doing the Playboy bunny look, but they were doing it of the Avengers characters. Um, uh, a number of friends of mine were in, were in doing that. And then the other big one I saw was a Femme Justice League. Uh, with like a, you know, FM Superman and plastic Man and Batman and all that stuff. And, you know, so it's definitely spread outside of who for sure. I'd see, I know we're more aware of it in the realm of who, cause we feel like that's where it started. But I I want to say, I'm willing to bet you if you take a step back, uh, it was probably going everywhere, you know, at the same time, it's just much more prevalent now across the board. Uh, yeah. and then conversely, occasionally not nearly as prevalent. I'm seeing occasional guys doing the reverse. of like taking female characters and, you know, uh, masculinizing them for a better word. Personally, I love that. I,
2: mm. I I think that's um I, I think that's wonderful. Um, uh, it's um not uh. It's I think a much more radical questioning of 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 gender um, norms for a, for a guy to dress up as a woman than, than vice versa. Oh, completely. Yeah. So so I'm so I'm huge fans of that because I'm a huge fan of, um, messing with gender norms, which I I think are enormously damaging.
1: that's true but then this gets into the whole thing where on a certain level it's really interesting and it's a it's a great form of expression on the other hand though you have the people saying well how true is that to the original character because the original character is not only rooted in whatever they're wearing and whatever their mannerisms are but inherently in whatever sex they are
2: well yes but um i i think it's less important than you might think like um there's um cosplayers of color play the doctor right Mm -hmm. and they they don't i mean surely they're uh i'm i'm making a hash of this but surely their self-expression is rooted in their identity Mm -hmm. and yet they're playing a white character and no one minds
1: you're right fair enough Mm -hmm. it's it's just something that i know comes up once in a while it's not like i see sneers about this or anything but there's always that counterpoint to it that when you talk about this stuff but i i do think i do think that that is part of Uh, the interpretive fun about it all though. I mean, and once you've said, this is the line that I'm going towards, you can pretty much then sort of reach for it and, you know, um, embrace it, so to speak. I don't know if I made it. Exactly.
2: That, 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 that kind of tension, I think between screen accuracy and what you want it to look like is, I think the interesting bit.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and in a lot of ways it allows you a lot more freedom, I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Well, well it, um, yeah, uh, it, I've, I've always said that if if we limited cosplay to people who looked like 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 the characters, then basically no one would cosplay except Kevin Coppa, Uh <laughs> who, for people who've never known him, looks so eerily like David Tennant that it's something of surprise when he opens his mouth and talks in a midwestern accent. Uh,
1: yeah, I know, good good old Kevin. Yeah, I talked to him earlier on this podcast, and uh, actually, it's because of the fact he does look like David Tennant that got him into cosplay, believe it or not. So, um.
2: yeah, um, but but if if we limit cosplay to people who look like the characters, then n- no one would cosplay except him and similarly gifted people. And I I think I think that just because I don't look particularly like Peter Davison at all is, is not a good reason for me to not play him, if you will.
1: Sure, sure. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I always say keep your look and type in mind. I mean, don't ignore it. But on the other hand don't let it stop you from doing a character that you love i mean you know you gotta you gotta have fun you gotta be passionate about it right yeah and it is true that part of the whole femme
2: movement is to make costumes that fit female bodies better right Uh, because another reason i couldn't wear peter davison's costume is that it was designed for a tall skinny man and i'm neither
1: (laughs) yeah no good good point good point um, what, what is it they uh, were talking about on one of the crossplay panels about the the various ways if you're not doing the fem version, if you're trying to do a straight male version about how to hide feminine curves on these costumes, so you look more like a guy?
2: Yes, exactly.
1: Mm, uh, which uh, is, is something thankfully that, that guys don't worry about. And I don't think I've seen many guys do the full uh, uh, crossplay where they're literally doing the fem version of a character of a feminine i'm sorry doing a female character straight like like literally in drag i think i may be seeing it twice and usually it was done as a joke so they're clearly not taking it as seriously as the girls are um but again there's more of a social taboo there so that's why you probably don't see that that cross which is
2: why i'm so glad to see um um um, men cross playing as well I, i i think that's terrific just because it helps break away at that gender taboo a bit
1: no, yeah, completely. Um, I was I was thinking of let's see. I've seen a guy do a male Sarah Jane, and another guy recently had posted a male Mel of all characters. I was like, whoa. I haven't
2: <laughs> seen that. Um, yeah. I saw um, I saw male uh, Ace last year. Oh okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see. I see that seems to lend itself very well to being a maleized character. So to right, speak right, right, yeah.
2: right, because the jacket is so distinctive that
1: you immediately know who he's supposed to be. Huh. Yeah, I could totally see that. I mean, it depends on who you're doing. Like, trying to think of, like, a male Tegan is a bit strange. <laughs> I'm not sure about that one. That,
2: that would be. Maybe, maybe you could do a pilot outfit <sighs> instead of a stewardess outfit. I don't know.
1: Something like that. Yeah. And you, but you'd have you'd have a, you'd have a lot of freedom with someone like Joe or, uh, um, any of this, a lot of the 60s companions like Barbara or Susan. You'd have a lot of freedom there. But the problem is, like, how far do you go where you lose the identity of the other character? Because some of these, some of these characters don't have quite the iconic, uh, costumes as the doctors do.
2: Uh, right, mm-hmm. and and again, that's that's I think why we're seeing this more at at at, at Galley, where people might be expected to recognize a dodo uh, more than say at Comic Con.
1: Uh, yes, <laughs> like I can say from experience with my girlfriend.
2: <laughs> yeah, that uh, that was what made me think of it was um, um, seeing Matt Smith pull out the picture. Uh, on I think the Graham Norton show yeah I yeah show it to everyone and and someone points to um Terry who's who's playing Dodo on the end and goes who's that
1: yeah it was Matt Matt didn't know who Dodo was and okay. yeah and I, I'm really hoping Stephen Moffat's set straight on that one because I'm like come yeah. on like uh that was funny yeah although she was she was happy to be pointed out but she felt a little sad and he, he didn't know and I'm like yeah but you got pointed out <laughs> you know <laughs> like it's all good uh, but yeah, no, she got a lot of love at Gallifrey one and that's what it's all there for. And, uh, she's thinking of doing, um, uh, the crotons version of Zoe, uh, for this year. So that should be kind of fun. Although it's funny. She was looking at the new companion. Um, who is it? Uh, Oswin. Um, she's already looking at that dress and, and we were already talking a little bit about Mel from paradise towers and all this other stuff. So there's, there's always things percolating, always things going on there. Um, but I suppose wh- what's the counter argument to this that, you know, um, there's an appeal in feminizing the doctor to be that character, the strong, clear lead character of the show versus I don't want to just settle and be a companion, no matter how cool that companion character is.
2: Yeah. 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 That's definitely a factor. Mm-hmm. Um, I, um, it's, I think part of, um, women seeing themselves as the lead characters
0: uh-huh.
2: and, um, Part of it, at least for me, is to is to make other people think maybe, uh, to to uh, to think um, like impossible. She could never run to save the day dressed like that, and then you know think about how fashion has historically been used to hobble women, sometimes literally.
1: <laughs> hobble women literally.
2: Uh, yeah, the um the 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 suffragettes. If you look on if you look on the intertubes, um, if you look at pictures of the suffragettes, they're wearing what are actually called hobble skirts. Uh, very, 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 very tight skirts that um, that 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 don't let you walk very fast. Uh, just because you can't, re- uh, just because you can't separate your legs that much, you're hobbled by the skirt.
1: Oh, uh, okay, I, I, all right. I know what you're talking about. I have it in my head now. I see. Well, I was. I, I mean, I'm sitting here thinking like, well, I, I know from uh, experience in a play where I had to play a transvestite for a week that I hate high heels, and I can't imagine how women deal with it. um at the I, end of the day. I I never wear heels
2: for exactly that reason
1: uh-huh yeah uh,
2: yeah yeah exactly um um part of part of the fun i uh uh if you will of doing a, a tenth doctor uh with enormous heels is 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 to make people think well she 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 could never run to save the day with those. what does it say about us that we expect women but not men to wear this sort of footwear?
1: No, no, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. Um yes, this must be what Courtney really wanted to get into in this uh discussion. I'll have to I'll have to um A make sure that we do another panel about this at Gallifrey One and B, um, you know, uh as you say, do a little pre planning so that we can stay on point. Yeah. Um so what would you say has been some of your worst or mishap experiences in costume?
2: There have been um there have been costumes that I've kind of abandoned partway through because they just weren't turning out the way I really wanted them to, mm-hmm. and 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 that kind of hurts. To you know, to say even with the sunk costs, I'm going to let this one go because I would just rather be doing something else. Um. So so yeah, the Captain Jack thing I mentioned earlier, um, an early casualty. <laughs> um,
1: okay and and he's not resurrecting himself anytime soon Mm uh
2: yeah um the um the skirt that wasn't a really flattering look on me uh yeah there's now pictures of me all all over the place and you know i i don't mind i mean i i I was happy with the costume at the time it was it was just when i saw it later that i was like yeesh not a good look for me um but yeah you know it's it's a continuous process of learning
1: where had you sourced the fabric for your skirts? That stripy fabric to mimic Five's trousers.
2: That was um, I actually found that on 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 eBay. Um, I forget how I found it, but once I saw it, it was um, I and and the moment I saw it, I was like, "That's it. That's a really good match for a Five fabric." And and it wasn't and it wasn't some context that was not not at all the same. I I I, I must have been looking for something else. Uh, but 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 then I stumbled across it and it was and it was I thought a, a remarkable match, and um, and so I bit the bullet and uh, bought a few yards of it, and then had to go back and buy a few more.
1: Uh, <laughs> At least it was still there for you to buy a few more later on.
2: Yes, yes, I was extraordinarily lucky there.
1: In my experience, you find it once, you don't find it again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless it's something really common like white cotton, <laughs> you know.
2: Yeah. 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 You have a better time there.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so have you had any misidentifications you've ever gotten for a character?
2: Um, not, not really. Um, I think I, um, I think at Comic-Con, um, um, cause I wore my, my, my fifth doctor outfit to Comic-Con last year or the year before. And, uh, someone misidentified me as some comic book um, hero. Um, I don't follow comic books, so I didn't really understand. But uh, I, I just kind of went, "No, Doctor Who," and <laughs> they just kind of shrugged. Um, but no, it no, it hasn't happened um, to me that often.
1: Well, at Gallifrey, it's pretty hard to get misidentified, I find.
2: And and since that's where con wise, I, I I spend most of my time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I, I haven't cosplayed at a World Con yet. I've been to World Cons, but haven't cosplayed
1: at them yet. Do you do much for uh, Halloween traditionally, or no?
2: Um, it it depends. When I was a kid, I adored Halloween, and and I had all these elaborate, crazy costumes that mm-hmm. that, that my parents uh, uh, indulged me with. Um, well, one year, I was a fried egg with a with a big with a big circular kind of framework of of wire, uh, some some white cotton stretched over that, and then an egg yolk sewn out of yellow uh, fabric. Oh, nice. Um, so, 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 so yeah, I had creative Halloween costumes fairly early. Um, and then, and then as an adult, um, I, I found that I'm often very tired on the night of, and it's, um, I mean, I usually do do something, um, and now that I have, you know, a, uh, a, a, a closet full of costumes, I'll, I'll pull something on. Um, one year I wore, uh, sort of half pirate stuff, half Fair stuff, and, um, Got one kid who thought I was Peter Pan's mom huh. uh, I, I I have no idea where that came from <laughs>
1: but
2: his, Wow are you Peter Pan's mom it's like sure
1: White versus bubble yeah
2: yeah um but but uh, yeah the place that that, that I uh, was working up until um, um up until the beginning of this year was was not really the kind of environment where people came to work in costume
1: oh uh, sure sure
2: so um so Really, I just shrugged into whatever I, I, I had handy and could get on pretty quickly when I got home from work and put out the candy.
1: Makes sense. I, I know that, yeah, lately for Halloween, I'm just recycling something that I'm in the mood to wear that I'm putting together for California or Comic-Con, basically. I I don't think I've done a specific Halloween costume since 2000, 2000 2001, somewhere in there. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, <clears throat> I'm probably going to have to do a roundtable about Halloween, Just to talk about how, you know, us cosplayers, we love costuming, we'll go crazy for conventions, but we really don't go all out for Halloween, which is the one holiday you think we should. It might have helped it might have been the thing that helped get us into it when we were younger, when we were children, but it's not something we're we're huge into now as adults, which is kind of there's reasons for that, but it's kind of a a strange reversal.
2: It is kind of interesting now that you mention it.
1: Now, um, what would you say is the most important thing you've learned so far in this hobby?
2: Just to, um, just to, uh, to keep working at it, like don't, because um, people are great at generating excuses for themselves. Like, well, I'm I'm no good at art, or I'm I'm not creative enough, or you know I I don't know how to sew. Um, well. I I didn't know how to sew either and it turns out that sewing is actually pretty simple at least um um at least for the sort of things I want to do. Uh if if you can sew in a straight line, that's most of what you need right there. Mm-hmm. Um they uh, they have patterns that are pretty pretty simple to put together when you follow the instructions. Um so so yeah, basically don't don't limit yourself. Um I mean people uh, people are sometimes amazed at some of the stuff I've I I've done like where did you get that clockwork droid mask and like well i went to michael's and i got a blank mask and then some paper clay and they're like you mean you sculpted it well okay if you want to call it sculpting uh, i just kind of <laughs> just kind of messed around with the clay until it looked right let mm-hmm. it dry and painted it um and yeah um don't don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good just kind of it's okay to get there in stages
1: yes yes completely I mean, some people like to cringe at the oh, I can't believe that early version of the costume, da da da. Because sometimes these older pictures can turn up, and I got those where I go oh, and then I go well, but you know, I remember at the time I was pretty happy with it, you know, and uh, wh- whether it was because that again it fit the budget or it fit the time or it's the best that could be had or found at the time, you know, etc. Just again, we I, all start somewhere.
2: I've also noticed this uh, peculiar notion among non um, among non costuming people that they don't want to. Costume until they can get an amazing costume. Um, they they there 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 seems to be this notion going around that there's like the costuming police posted posted at the entrance to conventions mm-hmm. and they turn away everyone whose costume doesn't meet some presumably very high standard. Um, and that's not true at all. Um, costuming people are very welcoming people. It's considered extremely rude to make fun of someone else's costume. So if anyone does that, just don't talk to them. Um, Agreed. And, yeah, and, and just basically don't 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 let artificial barriers stand in the way, I guess.
1: No, no, and uh, I think at a convention, you're right. I think where people get this perception is where you get the internet armchair critics on forums or even on a, a bad comment on Flickr or something, you know. Yeah. Um, that's where people are getting that perception much more so, and it is unfortunately part and parcel of doing it that you've got to understand there's going to be someone out there, that for whatever their agenda or whatever, you know, or maybe they just, you know, they take pleasure in just cutting people down, you know, for just having a good time. They have to make fun yeah. of, it may not even be your costume per se. It could be just the fact you're in a costume. Like, oh, because they just see it as, what is this grown person doing in a costume? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, no, completely. It's It shouldn't be that way. And to be honest, I think in real life the only thing I've heard of remotely like that is how um certain clubs have like a certain standard of, costume for you to join like the 501st or something. And I understand from their perspective, it's we want uniformity. Oh yeah,
2: sure. Yeah. um,
1: But on the flip side, it's not like they're not letting you in because you know, you, you chose a different type of wig to be a Klingon or something. Um, so, uh, I don't know. Maybe this is the same type of answer, but what, what would be your number one tip to, uh, beginners?
2: Um, ask, ask people. Um, it, it, it took me a remarkably long time to come around to this. Um, people at uh, fabric stores would ask me, so what are you making? And I would just kind of mumble some noncommittal answer because I, I didn't, you know, just want to out and say, I'm making a costume for a science fiction convention. Uh-huh. Whereas it, it, it turns out that if you actually do say that, um, they they really respond. And you, uh, you might get some great tips uh, that way, like, oh, have you considered, you know, I don't know, spray basting? Spray basting people, by the way definitely one of my top five inventions ever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So is, uh, what what would be your other uh, top techniques that you like to use?
2: Um, well, as I think I mentioned, um, uh, sewing on trim, uh, is is uh, really r- much easier than people seem to think. Uh-huh. Uh, it, um, it's to, to me, it's much more about selling the look, if you will. Um, I, I think exact screen accuracy is is wonderful if you've got infinite time and money, but who does
1: True. Mm-hmm. sure,
2: so don't worry about it being perfect and just worry about it looking okay right whatever value of okay you want
1: right um, do you uh, I always ask this to people uh what what are some of your favorite sources to get materials because you know some people are here in California and feel free to to mention local spots and if you know of good online places for people that aren't in California um i like to try to keep you know the the information well full so to speak well
2: one of the good things about living in la and to be honest i've lived here for nearly 10 years now and sometimes you have to wonder but one of the good things about living in la uh. is um the is that we've got the fashion district downtown uh-huh. and um although there's a lot of expensive fabric there there's also a lot of places where you can pick up something uh, um uh something for 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 cheap so um Uh, Michael Levine's in downtown Los Angeles, if you ever get a chance to go, a remarkable place. They've got an enormous selection of stuff. And across the street, they've got a place called The Loft, where they will literally sell you fabric by the pound. So if you you know what you're doing, and you can teach yourself this, and I've done it, it's not hard. Um, If you can teach yourself to sort of identify or guess at the fiber content based on how the fabric feels, you can really score some remarkable deals there
1: at the loft you're saying when you need yeah. a lo- okay mm-hmm. now are you talking now isn't that also where you can get a lot of great fabric remnants as well as the the bulk yes yes
2: mm-hmm. exactly yeah the um the uh, the trim on the clockwork droid thing that uh, that was a remnant i got downtown mm-hmm. um i i knew i wouldn't need a lot of it so i just got a cool looking brocade remnant and it
1: looks terrific yeah the droid uh, now the yeah. thing I like about the, the fabric district is because you'll you'll come across some places that are doing great deals like one dollar a yard fabric or uh, what is it? it? They'll even do great deals if you're getting like more than four yards. They're like, oh great, you need five, you need ten yards, and they'll cut that price right down. Uh, it depends on where you go. I mean, some places are more willing to deal than others, but um, you're right. That's that's a good place to do that. Now uh, I know Joanne's is like the staple across the country as a chain, and they're you know a solid place to go, but I find that they don't always have the selection.
2: They don't. Where where I've had the most luck, um, actually, is um, in their upholstery section. Their other home decor fabrics.
0: Uh
1: huh.
2: There, there's a lot of really interesting fabrics there. And if you wait till they have their half off. Um, oh yes. Um, if you wait till they have their half off home decor fabric sale, which happened not infrequently, then um, you you can often get 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 something quite nice for much less than you would think.
1: Completely agreed. Completely and, agreed.
2: And um, another nice thing about the upholstery fabrics is they tend to come in very wide sizes, which uh, which is nice. It means you have to buy less yardage, and you have more freedom in how you lay stuff out.
1: Completely. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer. in it. Is this 60 inches wide? Because boy, sometimes you don't, and you get like something that's only 35 or 40, and you're like, oh, I have to double my yardage amount now, and that always kind of sucks. But
2: you yeah. Know. Um, Another thing that's, um, that I think is important is, um, um, people can look at both sides of the fabric. The, um, my, my, my femme fifth doctor jacket, that's actually the wrong side that's facing out. Oh, really? But just because I, I liked it better that way. Sure. And, and I, I think that there's, there's nothing wrong with this. I mean, you paid for both sides of the fabric as, 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 uh, as a, as a teacher once told me. So you may as well use both sides. Actually, I think it was my sister. Um. So, you know, if the right um, if the wrong side looks better, then use that.
1: Mm. Hmm. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um. And, and there's a lot of no. You're you're completely right. Don't be afraid to use the wrong side if it's right for your costume. So wrong can technically, in this case, be right.
2: Um. And then eBay is a is a great source if you're careful. Uh. It's um. They're, uh, they'll. Uh, they will sometimes have good finds. Um. But you have to be careful and make sure that what they're sending you is what they've described.
1: Yeah. Well, the, the, the biggest problem with any kind of online buying, while it can be a, a godsend, especially for anyone who doesn't have uh, all the resources one ha- can have here in California or New York or whatnot is that you know you're really kind of at the mercy of say uh, the photo taken of the item you know the yes. color and your monitor settings and
2: yes yes and exactly until you handle
1: it you're not even entirely certain of of the weight unless you're very familiar with your fabric uh, fiber content like you said um so it can be a bit of a guessing game which is why i always tell people hey if you have time swatch 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 um, assuming they offer swatches, because I know a few places don't, but most places will. And um, and you can get, you know, from there you can make an educated decision and then go from there. And I, I know I've lucked out with some great places online finding uh, stuff, but it always it was a bit of a trial and error. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any favorite online sources that you go to beyond eBay?
0: Um,
2: uh, Spoonflower has uh, has been terrific for costumers, um, especially ones who who, who need... Um, an exact match, but not a lot of fabric, say. Oh yeah. Uh, there, uh, there have been a lot of really cool projects on 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 Spoonflower. There's um uh, uh, there's one guy who has a, a really close reproduction of the Fifth Doctor's hatband fabric.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that was Lynx, wasn't it? Yes,
2: yes, mm-hmm. yes. That's right, Lynx. And um and and yeah, it, it's 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 wonderful. It's not cheap. Um, but uh. Well, for custom it's, fabric, it's cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes, 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 that's very true. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but especially if you, if you really need something very close to the look, to, to, to sell the whole look, then Spoonflower can be excellent. You know, just, just design your
1: own. Mm-hmm. Completely, yeah. Well, assuming, of course, it can be printed on a cotton or some form of cotton. Uh, if it has to be some other fiber, you might be in trouble and you're back to square one. That's the only problem with that, I find. Yeah, that's mm. true. That's why there are some people who you know are saying, "Hey, let's do this on spoonflower," and I'm like, "Yeah, but it really should be a brocade, or it really should be a wool. Like, it's not going to look that good on a printed cotton." Um, so it depends on what it is, uh, and sometimes you can get away with it. Sometimes you can't. It just depends on what pattern and what what fabric you're doing. But uh, you're right. It is a it is a good uh, resource. I know that it's good to uh, to find good fabric printers in your area who might be willing to print on other fibers. <coughs> uh, there,
2: uh, there's a good resource. Um if, if if you want to experiment with dyeing and sometimes um, especially the the, uh, the fourth doctor's red corduroy jacket yes which sometimes you can find on eBay um, in in like beige or something um, there uh, there's a terrific site called Dharma trading DHARMA trading, uh, dot com that um, sells uh, a wide variety of, of fabrics in in basic dye ready shades like black and white and um, and uh, they also sell an enormous variety of dyes, and they'll explain how to use them.
1: I assume you, when, you, when you say that, not just in color, but beyond your standard RIT dyes, like cold water dyes and stuff like that?
2: Correct, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah.
1: So, so, uh, so that's a
2: good resource. Um, I, I must say that I tend not to buy too much fabric online, uh, just, just because it's so hard to know what you're getting. Right. Um, most of my fabric has been sourced locally from Joanne's. From the Fashion District, from um, a place in Culver City called FNS Fabrics.
1: Oh, great place, yeah. Um, that, I'm guessing we shop at most of the same fabric stores. I mean, I'm always doing the rounds with the Fabric District, uh, Local Joann's, FNS, Silk and Woolen, and uh, Mood. Yes, um, that's
2: right, International Silk and Woolen's downtown mm-hmm. by the
1: Grove. Yeah, I'm always hitting all of those places. And I, there might be one or two others I'm forgetting about, but those are always the main ones. And if I don't find them there, I, I give it a few weeks and I just try again you know and if I get really desperate there's a few online places I'll try like G street and Bridex, but um you know the problem with those places is it's hit and miss and when you do hit you might find something great but you're generally gonna pay a bit for it you won't get the deal you'll get if you bought it locally um, all right is there uh is there anywhere on the web people can uh, follow you do you have a blog or Facebook or
2: uh, not, not, not for costuming, not really. Um, but I do post my deep thoughts on Doctor Who at uh, drher.com. dot com, and uh, I'm in, um, I'm in a, um, I'm in an anthology of essays uh, coming out in November called Outside In. Cool.
1: Very cool. Oh, yeah. What uh, is there a general theme to these essays?
2: Um, it's uh, 160 reviews of of the entire classic series by 160 different people wow so me and 159 slightly more famous people
1: (laughs) nice well i'll definitely keep my eye out for that that'll be cool Um, all right then Um, i guess with that we will be signing off so nicole thank you very much for being here well thanks for having me and we'll be back next week with more costume shop talk here at costume station zero